The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Willie J, you know it's a big game when Willie J breaks out the old Big 8 hat, I think from the late Sharp. 80s, and is ready to go. Nebraska, Penn State, the much-anticipated home opener. I don't know how anticipated the game is with two 0-5 teams, but... Man, Nebraska fans uh, thirsty. Two teams combined to 0-5. Right. Nebraska thirsty for a win. Mr. Cranach, Penn State reeling. What is going to happen? We've got two hours to discuss. Can join us this morning. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at Mark Skurs. Cranach, what's up, man? Been a crazy week. How you how you living? You know, it's good. I'm I'm happy to see the home opener. I'm I'm interested interested to see how Nebraska's home environment looks with the cutouts. Right. Just how does it compare to some of the other ones that look sad? I mean, let's be honest. Like when you look at some of the audiences, some of the crowd, the lack of cutouts. I mean, not that cutouts make it look amazing, but you know what I'm saying? There's there's something that looks very odd about. I just wonder what I'm just curious what the whole scene will look like. I mean, the tunnel walk. Right. Can you imagine that? The tunnel walk. Like you got the music going. I'm, I'm assuming they're doing the tunnel walk. Mm hmm. But they do that for the fans. Sure. Right. Well, it's, so it's, now it's, it's like for the players, walk. too. I mean, it's kind of a rite of passage thing. But but the, the cool part about it is, is the, the fact fans. that you are you're high wor- fiving your yeah. worship for three minutes <laughs> by yeah, 90,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest part, right? Like, well, I'm going to be completely worshipped, probably in an unhealthy manner, but I'll take it uh. for the next three minutes. Like. So think about that even. So they're walking through the tunnel where that's usually li- – I take my kids down there every year to, to get a high five Grant, from that. I love you, but let's be honest. There's a part of you that, that kind of digs it too. <laughs> Listen, okay. <laughs> no. No. They don't do, – do, do the little ones have face paint on or is that just you? <laughs> Listen, I, I think love you. I, like I to love get, you. I, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> as, I, as I sit here with my, yeah, I got my like, my glossies and my Sharpie. <laughs> no. Mr. Frost, Mr. Frost, can you sign this before you go kick someone's ass, Mr. Frost? <laughs> but no, I mean, just, I mean, think of, like that part alone. 
is going to set a, a strange, like, mental, psychological, like, psychological. Ar- Don't tell me they're going to line the tunnel walk with cutouts. I think, yeah, that's extra, dude. Oh. I, I don't know if it's digital or if it's, I mean, this has been reported and I clearly didn't put that in my back pocket for the home opener. But yeah, I think because we, today's going to be really freaky, but in a good way, because section uh, 36, row nine, we have Cousin Dino cut out from our trip to Boulder. You know, the, yeah, the yeah, picture yeah. we got, you took of us um, hey. by the runs of tent. Okay. So we, we got we got Cousin Dino there. He'll be with us at, at 8.50 for his uh, Cousin Dino's prediction. And then <laughs> we my, my dad hated the corn head. I dislike the corn head. So after a few Miller Lights, once upon a time at a bar, uh, before the Oregon game in 2016, uh, Joe Papa put on a cornhead, and we have that that evidence. So, <laughs> what we did for Dad, because uh, he'd be going today, if we could all go, uh, and uh, things didn't go the way they went with Dad. Yeah, we got a picture of him next to Dino. So they're front and center in row nine in the south end zone, just like it's 1979 and, and, and Elvis Peacock made him go head to, head to berries to drown their sorrows. Complete with the corn head. He's got the corn head on. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, is, that is so cool. And he's shaking so his cool. fist at me right now in heaven for the, uh, the corn head. Picture. Uh, he's laughing. There, I know. There, there's lots of pictures we could have gone with, but we went with the cornhead. So I I don't know if I'm allowed down there or not. I thought Hoiberg's picture yesterday on, on Twitter was beautiful, where he had all three of his 2021 recruits cutouts. Yeah. Where right. they were in the uh, the, the east uh, section of the stadium. Kind of where they would be normally. Yeah, right. So yeah, like that, a pretty close up near the Husker bench. Which was awesome. And you got McGowan's there, which which was just sweet. And you got, you got the mayor smiling, and here's a picture of my five-star. And yeah, we, we need, need to, to get set up. We, yeah, we'll get there. We need to set up a game of horse with no dunking between McGowan's and Willie J. Because Willie J is this sneaky, gritty uh, three-point uh, assassin, the pride of Lincoln East. Okay. And, and there is such urgent urban legend about him and Elijah, quite frankly, with their uh, their pickup skills. And right now, Willie J is just blushing about your, well, your basketball ability. The difference about me and Elijah is he, he doesn't know when to stop. He doesn't know when to stop shooting. That's the thing about Okay, so you're so he's more of a volume guy. You're yeah. you're kind of a, a, a quality yeah, if shot I, taker. If I'm not hitting, I'll pass it, you know. Okay. <laughs> hey Willie, when we go when we end up going one on one, just a little heads up, man. When you think I'm going right, nah, bro. You go I'm going left. left. And then vice versa. It's going right um, to the Ben Gay tent. <laughs> I'm just I'm just giving you that heads up now. Okay. So you can prepare defensively. I will have to. And don't slap the floor because that gives me just enough time to blow by it. Oh, they teach that early, though. There, okay. There's this just trigger warning. moment with Cranach over years of watching and hating Duke. Every time Woj would slap the floor, it's 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 a it's like a bull and seeing the red cape. Cranach goes off. Just, okay. 
But See ya. back to, to football and today's mood, right, with the, the cutouts, it's really cool. I mean, you're going to have it is cool. thousands cool. of Nebraska fans who can't be there physically, either pictures of themselves or loved ones uh, that will be there and the family dogs there and some Husker gear, which is really yeah. cool. I mean, There's stories so, behind all those. Right, man, and, and I love those awesome. stories. So That is beautiful. What I'm saying, though, is from a player's point of view, when you come out of the locker room, the tunnel walk, the sounds playing, you're very used to having a loud chorus of people literally screaming for you. Mm-hmm. Little kids holding out their hands, getting fives, right? Yep. It, it hits you right away if you're a player like, damn, we are supported. I got to bring it, right? Like, mm. it's just that, that's just the that's just the environment that's created. But now when they're going to come out, it's going to be inanimate. Yeah. There are no people. Maybe they're pumping in sound. I don't know. Well, yeah, they'll they'll have right? they'll have the old Memorial Stadium sound system cranked. But there's no one actually there. And so like if you just put it look at it from a player's point of view, that's going to be very surreal. You're going to have very a, surreal. You're going to have a few fans, well, family members there. But I don't know what it is. I mean, I saw on Twitter, Feldarius Payne's folks are coming in. Uh, nice. But, I mean, you're going to have Kurt Warner's, fo- you know, uh, uh, Cade's folks, you know, Kurt's going to be here. And that's awesome. I mean, you're going to have parental support, but it's of course a, a, a larger venue that's holding mom and dad and. <laughs> Might as well play to Seacrest. Well, it'd look a little better. <laughs> right. <laughs> Might as well. But the cutout part is is phenomenal, and, and I don't have the, the total number on, on people that – but it wasn't – A, it wasn't very expensive for just a section in the stadium. I think it's a little more for if you get propped up down by the tunnel walk – and sure. I could be like all wrong on this, but I think that's what memory's telling me anyway, where could, you can set be. it up. So no, this will be cool. I'm hoping to get a, I want to FaceTime Dino and, and mom. She's down in Arizona from the section before, you know, kickoff happens at 11. This is a monster game. I mean, it is absolutely uh, a, a key moment in this season. And it seems like we've had that hint of a storyline Every week. Last week was supposed to be it. You get off the schneid. You felt good about Ohio State. There were some moments. And then, man, the first four minutes of the second half, the last four minutes of the first half was what did you in against Ohio State on top of their insane talent and quarterback play. But then you go to Northwestern and things are are rolling for Nebraska. And Adrian played well with his legs and just, man, just to, was off throwing the football, and now you've got the quarterback storyline on top of the fact you've got a desperate team desperate for a win, and that's that's a storyline. That's the top storyline for both plays with a subplot being both quarterbacks. I mean, I, I'm anxious to see in-game which coach and which staff kind of shake themselves from from questionable decisions or play calling or execution – uh, between the lines, and then just from a mental standpoint, you know where where are things going to be at with Clifford? Because he's been a mess. He was really awesome. I mean, we're talking four straight years and New Year's Day six bowl games for Penn State. They've got elite talent. 
along the lines of scrimmage, the way that they've recruited. They're playing awful. They got beat by a regional rival, not just beat, destroyed. I mean, it looked like they should have switched uniforms. That's how bad the beating was last Saturday by by Maryland to Penn State. Then you have Nebraska, who, by all accounts, if you listen to Chenander and Frost, I mean, they've come back to practice the right way this week. But you've heard about turning the corner. You've heard about chip on their shoulder. Cranek, I almost think it's a little bit uh, to the point where Nebraska, some of the upperclassmen, right? I mean, they don't have, bless their heart, a history of winning, right? I mean, you look no. at their time here, some of them have had one winning season. And then, and like, one guy has played in a bowl game. There's probably a few more, but, I mean, there's not too many JoJo Domans, right? Where that the, they were in the, the Music City Bowl against Tennessee all the way back in 16 because you've been three years removed from, from a bowl game. And you've won some games, but you've not beaten anybody the caliber of a Penn State, 0-3 or not. So the task is is mighty for for Nebraska, but they could do it. They get it done. I'm I'm not gonna say oh, it's an own three Penn State. I'm gonna say like, well, you beat Penn State when their backs were against the wall, and that's very impressive. Let's see if Nebraska can do it. Vegas is still saying minus three and a half, but I just it's just the question, man. Can Nebraska get out of their own way? And even if they uh-huh. do. Penn State may find themselves and out-talent Nebraska. I mean, those, there's so many different dynamics here today. There, there's a lot. And, you know, Penn State doesn't talk and sound like a team, at least they didn't around the press conference time, that's coming in with a lot of confidence and coming in with a lot of camaraderie. And they're they distracted, say that they're pissed, they're venting publicly. I mean, it's look, not a good look. No, yeah, exactly. I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, but one of the players said some something along the lines of, you know, we're not really a team right now. And Dodson. So I mean, that's their stud yeah. whiteout. Yeah. So they, I mean, they have some, they they have some camaraderie. Now, uh, can you get that right? Yep. You can. <laughs> you can get that right. Can you get get that right against Nebraska? Yes, that is certainly possible. But I think you're coming in. I think that the team that's coming in in Penn State is sort of vulnerable, <laughs> right? Like mentally, they're not. They're just not quite right. Maybe they don't have the right leadership amongst the team right now. I don't know. But they obviously seem vulnerable. And you look at the record and it tells you that, especially when you look at the first two games. Now, keep in mind that they played Indiana, lost to Indiana. Now we see what Indiana is. I think we all knew they were respectable and they were good. They're ranked 10th right now. Mm -hmm. What do rankings mean? Whatever. That's another story. But regardless, Indiana's reeling off W's. And they're doing it in impressive fashion. They're doing it with good defense. They're doing it with sustained offense. They got a pretty badass quarterback, <laughs> right? So then you follow that up with Ohio State. Ohio State only wins by 13, but that game, I don't even think it was that close, right? Gave up 500 plus they, yards. They were, down by, they were down 24 to, to 19 points all game. Yeah. And, and so, and, and, and made it scratch out and a few that, that was That was one of those moments where. Willie J pours you that last drink when he's tending bar. It's last call. And, you know, at, at 10 o'clock, she looked like a two. At two o'clock, she looks like a 10. Well, Alabama Slammers will do that. <laughs> well, but I digress. Uh, then, then Penn State follows up with Maryland, and Maryland just boat races them. Yeah. I mean, just like a blitzkrieg, a siege of offense, this Maryland juggernaut. They got a little to it. I, I, but I mean, seriously, they just they lit them up for big plays, 
They only ran like 61, <laughs> but they lit them up, put up 35. I mean, so after that, I think Penn State starts questioning everything. Like, what are we doing? Who are we? Why am I here? This pandemic. Like, I, I think it just completely disoriented them. So here they come. And meanwhile, you got Nebraska, who has played arguably two best defenses in the league. I Maybe save a spot for Indiana there. Michigan, if they got their poop in a group ever. Mm. Um, but, you know, defensively, look, North, I don't think Northwestern's a joke, man, at all. I don't and, and think, I think so they, either I think defensively. Get, I think they get overlooked. I think they get overlooked defensively. Uh, but look, and, and Nebraska actually did did more yardage-wise. I know we're all getting sick of yards because it's about points, man. But you know, Northwestern didn't even give up 300 to Iowa. Total yards. Did not even give up 300 yards to those guys. Maryland barely got over 200. So, I mean, these dudes shut you down. Like, Northwestern does not allow plays to happen. They just don't. Nebraska piles up 442. And and then to your point about the youth movement, why is it that, like, when you think about the players that you have seen sort of splash, like 80% of them are like freshmen. Just straight up, man. I mean, did you see the way... Xavier Betts snatched the ball out of the air last week. That was good. The Bellevue West receiver. They, look, these are sort of like routine catches. You know, it's like a, I think one of them was like a hitch route. Another one was an out. Mm-hmm. So these weren't like amazing, you know, 50-yard game-breaking plays. I'm just talking the manner in which he catches the football. Nebraska hasn't had people like that <laughs> in a while. You've like, got a, Cranach, you've got a bunch of different dudes Different. That they've that they've recruited here. They're different. They're working on keeping here. Yeah, but those the, guys the, are different, man. They are between Fleming and Betts, and Fleming. we'll see if if there's an Alante Brown. I mean, Fleming Fleming's not blinked in the moment. I mean, five for no. seventy five is is nice, and there's it seems to be some pretty good chemistry with with McCaffrey, right? It's McCaffrey's a freshman, so it's McCaffrey just throwing darts like freshman to freshman. The, who who were the best receivers on the field? It well, was Fleming and Xavier Betts. Sure, I mean just, most 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 period. likely to take an eight yard gain and and make it a twenty eight yard gain on a simple these dudes hitch. Have been here, these dudes have been here for like ten months. Mm-hmm. And then McCaffrey, who looked better at quarterback? He did. Uh, McCaffrey or Martinez? It was McCaffrey, freshman. Let's go. Okay, let's go to the defensive line now. Oh, but and and how about uh? How about the squatty running back kid, this, the power lifter kid, the strength kid? I can't even think Marvin of his Scott. name. Marvin Scott. Thank you. I, I want to see Marvin Scott run the football <laughs> 25 <laughs> times today. <laughs> Me too. Because, he, uh, I mean, you know yeah. how shifty, right? And listen, here's the problem, Cranach. We don't know how much of the playbook these dudes know. And then it turns into Tecmo 2 where you've got eight plays to pick, okay? Because that's all they know. And if if you can keep running those eight and the, and the and you know it's you're not getting stopped, great. But that's that's the difference here. What's Nebraska willing to do? You've got a bunch of guys that can go out there and block and make some catches and do the routine. And that's not disrespectful, all right. Mm-hmm. But you've got routine guys, and then you've got your difference maker guys. Except one knows one set of dudes know all the plays because they've been here 
and another group of kids don't know as much as they want to know right now because of this stupid pandemic. And when Nebraska is good, Chris, uh the routine guys, the hardworking guys, the lunch pail guys are pushing the the exceptional playmakers. They're they're pushing them. Not starting in front of them. Now they're still playing. They still get snaps. And it's 48 to nothing when they get snaps. (laughs) No, they even get snaps before that. They do. If you flash back to even Nebraska's best years, like I, that I, one, get, they I would, get you. I get you. They would get snaps. They would block their what off, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would occasionally get a couple, you know, occasionally get a bone, throw them a pass. But they weren't starting, and they weren't playing eighty percent of the snaps. No, they were pushing the hell out of Fleming, out of Betts. Right out of the more talented, highly decorated, highly recruited guys. And when those guys got on the field against Northwestern, the moment wasn't too big for them. Nope. Let's go to let's go to the defensive side of the ball. How about Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers and Luke Reimer and Miles Farmer? Love watching them ball. They're not Look, they're not scared. The moment's not too big. And they're just playing. They, right? And look what Reimer's a sophomore. Robinson will be considered a freshman, I believe. Red, retro right? freshman, yeah. Yeah. Rogers, Farmer. So, look, and look, Nebraska's getting – I'm not saying write off all your upperclassmen at this point, but I'm saying this is a, a crappy, weird year. Go young. Experiment. You're not, you're not winning the Big Ten this year. You're just not. And even if you do, is the game going to be played? It might even get – who cares, right? Like, it's about getting better. It's about just like building your program. This year is such an asterisk. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? You, you missed out on spring too, right? You missed out on this spring. This is your you spring ball and it counts. Yeah. So you didn't get a chance to experiment that much. I'm just saying the young guys are clearly showing promise. And that sometimes sounds so cliche when you're like, well, it's a young team. <laughs> but, I, but we all see it. Like we really see it this time, right? Like, Fleming and Betts are the most talented receivers on that roster. And maybe Elante Brown is too. We just haven't seen enough. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Marvin Scott looks pretty damn good. Luke McCaffrey looks pretty damn good. You know, Ethan Piper looks pretty damn good. Bryce Bennett looks pretty damn yeah. good. Defense. Rodgers, Robinson, Reimer, Farmer, Newsom. Just go down the list. They got some, right? Like, let these dudes play. Let them play. And, I mean, what happens if you're, I don't know, if you only win two or three games? Oh, okay. Well, and you might and get it, two or three blown out due to due to COVID. I mean, look at the uh, SEC right now. Right. You got 15 games canceled. What do you uh, have to lose? And, and at some point, you know, and I, I, you hear Scott Frost working through it during his press conferences. Mm-hmm. You hear him working through it where he wants to reward the people that are doing everything right. Sure. You know, like he, he's, he's really after that. He's trying to be like that. This person's always in the weight room on time. They're, they, they never miss a thing. They help out the other people. They do extra work. Like he wants that to be the baseline in the program. And that is smart. And that's good. And Nebraska has to operate like that. I get it, but you can't let that color, <laughs> right? Like you, you can't let that, be the ultimate determining factor in who actually plays. Well, how 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 far like, back are you willing? It's to, a balance, and he's working it through it. How far back are you willing to move the line in the sand? 
It's true. Right? It, and it's, and it's, 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 yeah. it's tough because, I mean, this week, right? I mean, there was a, a, a page taken out of the Remember the Titans playbook yeah. where you commit a penalty, you run a mile for Coach Herman. Right? So that was what Frost talked about on his, his monthly show. Yeah. And I'm like, great, but you've been here three years, and maybe you've not had penalty problems to this extent. Right. In year three, last year they were they, – they committed some penalties, but it wasn't like the first two games of, of this season. And in year one, you know, it, it took Mick and Gifford and some of those dudes that were – this is your senior season. You're all in six, bro. It's you. It's your job to fix it. That was the message from the coach, right? And eventually, after Purdue, you had a breaking point. Really nice story by Derek Peterson a couple of years back about you know what what flipped and shifted. What do you have in the locker room right now that are Gifford and Mick like? Okay, from a leadership standpoint, to fix it yourself. Now, yeah, coaches need to to not be overthinking with red zone guys need to execute cool. clearly but red eventually zone. it's on the freak the, the, the freaking player to not jump offsides or false start and to be frank with you when we talk about young guys that may blow some of the older guys out of the water athletically at wide receiver get in your playbook and know where the hell to line up and then don't totally. pout because you're not on the field yeah, you know? no, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot to balance. It, it's 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 it, uh, it's coaching. worthy of Jack Daniels, <laughs> is what it's it is. Coaching at a at a D one uh-huh. at a Power Five. It's you know, there's a lot to balance there, but you can't let. Yeah, it's a balance. He's got to figure it out. And I think this is a year that you can, without upsetting the apple cart too much. And also, I think Frost maybe maybe is over-rotating towards the lunch pail guys a little too much, thinking that he'll lose them if they get benched. You've told me I need to do X, Y, and Z. I know my plays. I compete well. Why am I not playing? Those dudes aren't going to be like that, though. Well, you hope. (laughs) Everyone's got a breaking point. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm just saying – I, look, and I think he's seen it too. Well, if you the, the, way he ta- the way he talked about Martinez in the past tense, yeah, he's he's done everything right, right. Look, and I've I've been a fan of Martinez. I think we we we, we, him, we but... both really like Adrian, and yeah. he has been incredible for the program, and it's not over. It I defies mean, logic. What what's what he's the product I don't he's think, putting out on the field right now, Cranick. I don't think his shoulders right. Period. Could be, and, Could and be. I, I have because no inside big, info strong, on that. Fast, he's smart. I, yeah, you know, I, I, don't I just it. don't think his shoulders right with with throwing the football. Period. Could be. It, so, it ain't working out. No. Do you, you have, have a quick quick update here from uh, the deputy athletic director uh, Garrett Glassy when it comes to Husker Vision and creative media? So Nebraska sold six thousand cardboard cutouts, most in the country. Uh, Many of the full-size variety will flank the red carpet for the tunnel walk. Other cutouts going to be the Lower East Stadium with overflow and the bleachers beyond the north end zone. So that's cool with the cutouts. We will uh, get the Penn State lowdown, a uh, legendary name in college football, Paterno. Uh, Jay 
Paterno, a longtime assistant for Penn State. We'll sit down with him for the rewind. His thoughts on Nebraska, Penn State. This is Hale Varsity Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, excited to preview Nebraska, Penn State. We welcome in a longtime assistant at Penn State, quarterback for the Nittany Lions. And uh, tell you what, his book is uh, really awesome if you're a college football fan. Hot Seat, a year inside college football's pressure cooker. We welcome back Jay. Paterno. Jay, thanks for a few minutes. How's your week going? Going great. Uh, hopefully this game comes off without a hitch. That's what we're thinking. And you had an earlier report from Onward State, Penn State student newspaper. Uh, six more student-athlete COVID cases at Penn State. That doesn't specify specifically to football. But I'm just doing the math in crazy 2020 COVID, especially with the Ohio State-Maryland announcement. Uh, what's your view on things? Uh, and it's hard to get a, an accurate answer. Or isn't it in 2020 with COVID? Yeah, we we had a board uh, board of trustee. I'm on Penn State's board of trustees, yes. and uh, Monday night we got an update. And uh, on our campus, it looks like our numbers are have really come down. They've stabilized campus wide. So I would assume that you know we're doing well in the athletic department. And you know we've over 800 athletes, uh, so six out of 800 is probably. Uh, not enough to tip any scales as it relates to football. But again, it's 2020. Who knows? Well, that's good news uh, as we speak now. And uh, Jay, you know, I want to get your thoughts. You're uh, a guy that knows Penn State so well, and, and you watched the, the Maryland game. Let's start there. As you look at things, being on that sideline as a player and as a coach, what's going on with Coach Franklin's crew this season? You know, it's a mystery. I mean, this was a team that when the season started, it looked like the offensive line was going to be a strength. And, you know, Maryland came into the game in two games with one sack, and they got to our quarterback seven times and an eighth on a two-point conversion, which doesn't count in the stats of the sack. There was you know, a lot of people talked about the defense being really, really good, and that's obviously not been the case. I think the most concerning thing is this, is that in 2004 when I was coaching, we struggled. Uh, and But – our defense never gave up more than 21 points in any game. So you could point to that and say there's some hope because we've got a strength on this team that we can be in games. But right now, uh, Penn State's surrendering a lot of points on defense, having trouble scoring on offense. And granted, they played, you know, Indiana, who's turned out to be a really good team, and Ohio State, obviously, is who Ohio State is. Mm-hmm. The real shocker was the Maryland game when suddenly you're down 35-7. And that's, uh, you know, we went uh, from 1961 to 2014, didn't lose the Maryland ever, and played them 24, 25 times. So uh, that that's, this one's a little bit of it sticks in a lot of people's craw. Jay Paterno's with us, uh, trustee at Penn State, former assistant coach and uh, quarterback at Penn State. His book, Hot Seat, a year inside college football's pressure cooker. We're previewing Penn State, Nebraska. So is it just that – and you guys have had some opt-outs uh, – uh, and, and injury, so that that's an issue. But when it comes to confidence, is that something you're you're sensing? Is this team? Yeah, you're zero and three, but is there a, a belief issue? And I flip it around. In Nebraska, uh, they're zero and two. They need something good to happen. And I, it, it's just been a struggle for for the Big Red this year. But uh, when you look at your own own squad, uh, is there some doubt in that locker room with some of the kids? 
Well, you know, I've not really haven't been in the locker room. I can't really say for certain, but the body language when you watch this team on TV is not good. And that's something that I, as a coach, when I was coaching, always looked at is how are the kids kind of carrying themselves uh, during a game when things aren't going well and the body language has not been very, very good. On the flip side, I watched the Nebraska, I do a TV show every week where I break down the opponent and have watching Nebraska on the sideline Saturday, did not sense that at all. In fact, uh, you know, Northwestern's a better team than people realize, but, you know, Nebraska's a program that over the years would think that they would dominate a program like Northwestern. But even when they were struggling, you know, the Nebraska kids fought all the way down till the end of that game and looked like they were have a chance to do something. And, you know, the McCaffrey switch seems seemed to spark some things and you know, as a Penn State fan, I'm this is a this is a nervous game for me for all of us because it's a must win for us but it's a must win for Nebraska too and when you have a program with the kind of pride they have playing at home in a must win situation it's a very very dangerous thing Jay, when an offense starts to struggle, the first person to take the blame is usually the quarterback. Nebraska's felt that in the past week uh, with the Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey quarterback battle going into this Saturday. Uh, but there's been some talk around Sean Clifford uh, for Penn State this week as well, right? What's, what's the quarterback situation for Penn State going into this game? Well, Clifford, it sounds like Clifford's going to start. And, you know, there's been some talk about playing uh, Levis, his backup. But, again, we'll see how that unfolds. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as you look at it, you know, the quarterback always takes the blame for this stuff. And, you know, and Clifford uh, missed a couple of passes they normally would hit in that game early on when they got behind. But uh, in his defense, I mean, he has had trouble getting – people have had trouble getting open for him. And the, and the offensive line, the pass rush has been on him. I mean, like I said, he got sacked seven times Saturday, and it's hard to really, really be uh, effective when you're getting hit that much. And at the end of the day, he set a school record throwing 57 passes. And uh, when you're playing a team like Maryland, who had been giving up 290-something yards a game rushing, and you throw 57 passes, uh, you got a lot of other issues behind besides just your quarterback. Jay Paterno's with us. He's a trustee at Penn State, uh, former assistant coach at Penn State, and quarterback to the Nittany Lions from 86 through 1990. His book, Hot Seat, A Year Inside College Football's Pressure Cooker. So how much... Um, issue has there been with this transition? I know Penn State went out and hired away Minnesota's offensive coordinator. Has there been a disconnect? Has there been some growing pains with the new OC with Clifford or is it just a matter of being down too many big time players uh, either on the line or a running back? You mentioned the offensive line. What do you kind of put your finger on here with, with the new OC and this returning starter at quarterback? Well, the new offensive system is not that drastically different from what they had, so that should not be a real issue in terms of X's and O's and plays and execution, that kind of stuff. Obviously, there's some terminology that's different. Um, it just seems like you know there are some dumb penalties. The offensive line's been healthy and, for whatever reason, does not seem to be able to handle some things they're seeing. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what it is. Now, losing two running backs doesn't help. But, you know, when you have a veteran line, I mean, there were years back, you know, you go back to the Nebraska teams of, of old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have played tailback and run for 120 yards in behind some of those lines. So, I mean, y- you hope that you've del- developed that kind of line because we have some senior guys on that that line that should be able to enable a freshman or a young running back to have some success. It just, not, it just has not happened yet. Jay, uh, a thought with, with James Franklin. And I mean, you've lived uh, the, the, the Penn State uh, 
pressure cooker yourself. I mean, uh, growing up uh, like you did, you know, how's James Franklin rolling with this 0-3 start? Well, at his press conference yesterday, he talked about some things personally, and, it, it, you know, it seems like um, – you know, he was kind of venting there just, you know, because uh, he just seems like, and I don't want to say things are getting to him, but, you know, obviously when you're 0-3, no one's happy. So that's just reality. And uh, But, I, you know, he's an upbeat guy. He's generally very, very positive. Um, in fact, <laughs> that may be one of the things that's a drawback to him because, you know, he he talks very positively about his team in the offseason, and sometimes fans take that optimism and they stretch it as far as they want to dream when the reality may not be the same so you know you know for years uh, when I worked for for my dad Joe Paterno you know, he always said look undersell and over deliver and you'll always have happy fans he said they'll be unhappy with you during the off season but if they're happy during the season that's far more important <laughs> yeah it is um, <laughs> and, and it's smart I mean you know it's like, you, know, you tell, tell everybody you're terrible I mean Lou Holtz was did it that whole generation I mean you would have thought they none of them would ever win a game and so when they'd come out and go 10-2 and two, people were happy um, whereas when you promise people a college football playoff or you talk about that and you don't make it and that's a high bar uh, people are rightfully going to complain plus I think the other thing that's changed is the money has gotten so big that people's uh, people's patience is much less when they know your head coach is making 6 million or 5 million or 7 million and they're saying you know you're making 7 million dollars you got to start performing like that so so there's a lot of different pressures that are on now Jay Paterno with us here on Hale Varsity Radio Jay I want to go to the defensive side of the ball for a second one of the best players in all the Big Ten Micah Parsons opting out before the season started how much has Penn State missed his presence on the defensive side of the ball this year well, unless he could play safety and corner, uh, it probably wouldn't help that much because we're, we're we're just having trouble with the pass game. Um, we're not getting the generating the kind of pass rush that, that Penn State has had the last couple of years, and as such, people have had the ability to throw the ball downfield. I mean, uh, you know, Maryland's quarterback had a great day. Uh, Justin Fields had a great day, and after the first half, when he struggled, Penix from Indiana uh, made just a couple of really just Took the took the ball down the field, down eight points, went seventy five yards, and and hit some just amazing passes. So, you know, we we've got to do a better job stopping stopping the pass game. But again, people have also been able to run the ball against us, and that's another reason for Nebraska fans to be optimistic and Penn State fans to be pessimistic, is that the running quarterbacks and the run game has been a problem for us as well as the pass game. And if Nebraska can come out and run the football effectively, it's going to be a long night for Penn State or a long afternoon, I should say. Jay Paterno's with us. Jay, a couple of minutes here. Uh, you've, you've laid out just where some fear may be if you're a Penn State fan, but your gut says what? Give me a key or two and a prediction on Saturday, if you would, and then where can folks get your book? I don't want to predict, you know, I'm going to predict Penn State wins because I'm a Penn State homer. <laughs> so, you know, that's coming. Um, but I, I, the, the things that I think that will be critical is, is our turnovers. Penn State is minus five on the year. And, you know, during Masters Week, by, minus five is what you want to be, but not in football. And, you know, with the, you know so uh, that's been bad for us. And we're not generating, part of that is we're not generating any turnovers. I think we had two turnovers against Indiana, and it's been nine quarters since we had a turnover. Uh, got a turnover on defense. So that's going to be a problem. And I know that's also been a little bit of a problem for Nebraska. Um, But I would say early in that game, if Nebraska can run the ball north and south with their tailback, as well as no no matter who it is. I mean, the the one guy I would not want to see, and this is no disrespect to Martinez, is – 
when McCaffrey gets to the end of a run, I mean, he is very physical, so I would get out of his way myself. Um, but, you know, if Nebraska can run the ball and hold on to it and not make critical turnovers, uh, I think it's going to be a real real uphill climb for Penn State to win out there. That's, that's my concern, but I still think uh, I'm hoping Penn State gets this thing you know, get some things corrected and holds on to the football and makes the kind of plays they're capable of making can come home with the win. And as for the book hot seat, it's available on Amazon or also at my website, which is jvpaterno.com. And uh, if you order from me, you can get it signed and put all put anything in you want. And uh, But you can get it on Amazon and jvpaterno.com. Jay, this was too short a time, man, but it was so much fun to get caught up and, and preview Nebraska-Penn State. And we'll give you a shout down the road and, and do this again. Thanks for a few minutes. Sounds great. And I hope, uh, hope it's a really good afternoon for everybody. Both teams played really, really well, and we'll see who wins. Jay Paterno, former uh, assistant at Penn State, part of the Board of Trustees at Penn State. And uh, his dad, Joe Paterno, of course, good to, to get caught up and get the uh, Nittany Lion low down. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, uh, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. Willie J rocking this morning. Uh, hour two is on the way. We'll hear from Brandon Vogel, managing editor from HaleVarsity.com and magazine. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will be in. And then uh, one hour from now, Cousin Dino. Dean Schmidt makes the prediction that will be right, accurate, and on the money, we hope, this weekend as it's the home opener finally for Nebraska. Hour 2 coming up with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to an hour two. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Willie J is producing and engineering. He's doing the old throwback Big 8 lid uh, before he goes to 10 bar. And uh, we're excited, man. Nebraska-Penn State home opener. Finally, you uh, will be catching it on TV. And uh, 6,000 of uh, loved ones, friends, and remembrances, maybe the family pet, the cutouts, will be in the stands. And uh, excited to get into uh, plenty of Nebraska-Penn State. Also, some thoughts on Bryce McGowan's and Will Bolt's recruiting class. We welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, uh, author with John Cook, who, by the way, crushed it with his recruiting class, uh, Dream Like a Champion, a book you must now get. John Cook and Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, uh, how many timeouts did you take with you into Saturday? None. You Take that pig home and leave the leave the timeouts there. You you burnt all your timeouts and you brought the pig home is what you're saying. Yep, indeed. That was uh, wow. What what a what a what a post game comment from from Kirk Ferentz. I'm not used to seeing uh, that much heat out of Iowa, but I enjoy it. That was really pretty entertaining, and I think you know what. Fleck is is probably respected, but he's not admired. I think folks respect that you know he had a good season last year. I think some of the old school coaches, the the Kirk Ferentz's, the 
Glenn Mason. You want to get someone cranked up on P.J. Fleck, you talk to Glenn Mason. Some of the old school throwback coaches uh, can't take the guy with the, the, the big tie, the bald head, the shades, and then the sprint at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, it's definitely the risk you take by being as uh, out front as, as Fleck is. And, and I think he's probably aware of that. I think he's kind of consciously made that choice of like, hey, this works. And I mean, his results, you know, I mean, this year was always going to, I think, be a little bit of a step back. I'm surprised to the degree that it has been. Uh, they just had a lot to replace. But, you know, I, I think Fleck's willing to make that deal of, yeah, I'll, you guys can dislike me and think I'm corny. And uh, if I keep winning, you know, having double-digit win seasons at places like Western Michigan and, and Minnesota, uh, I'll, I'll take that deal. So, but sometimes, you know, you get you get roasted by Kirk Ferentz postgame uh, when you do that. We'll get into Nebraska, Penn State. Cranach, did you know that, that P.J. Flex, the only coach that brought his wife around the, the media sessions, at least oh, the last know. time we got to go to Chicago? And, and that. And nobody thanked him for it, but we all said thank you privately. Okay, I, no, I, I was not aware of that, but thank you. Yeah. Send, send the behind-the-scenes pics, then. That'd be great. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So, Vogues, what's today about for you with Nebraska-Penn State? Um, I, I don't know. You could convince me of about <laughs> – you could tell me the score of this game, and almost no matter what it was, you could tell me either team won by that amount, and I'd be like, yeah, I could probably see that. Um, I mean, I think you've got – you've got two teams that are kind of fighting to get a season back on track. Um, I mean, Penn state has certainly, it's, it's certainly further off the pace than, you know, we would have thought in the preseason. So maybe the Hill's a little bit steeper there for the, the Nittany lions, but it kind of feels like, uh, you know, which team is, is still willing to engage in that fight. And I think it's even, you know, I, well, it definitely seems underscored in a year where you have so much outside of the norm and face as many kind of unique challenges as you do. Um, it would be very easy in a year like this to be like, well, you know, it's kind of a, it's a one-off. It's literally, it's not costing anybody any eligibility. Let's just try and get better. But it's, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to overcome. I think those hardwired emotions of man, this is, this is not what we thought it was going to be. Um, and that's, you know, beyond, that's in every area, not just on-field results. Managing editor for uh, Hale Varsity, Brandon Vogel, is with us. Let, let's make sure, let's, um, this is a string around our fingers to remind us, before we say goodbye today, we have to get to Bryce McGowan's, the new five-star mm-hmm. that uh, Nebraska picked up. We still haven't spent a second on him, but, you know. That's, we, we've, spent, that's because, we've spent a little bit of time, we spent a lot of time yesterday. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. And that is not a criticism as much as it is like, hey, he's a five star. It's a big deal. Let's make sure we get Brandon's take on it later. But football first. Is today the start of the McCaffrey era? And does he ever relinquish that? Um, I I think it will be the the literal first start of, of the McCaffrey era. I'd be surprised if you didn't see both guys at at points today, but that'll, you know, if McCaffrey does indeed start, um, that'll kind of be up to him. Like if the offense is moving and things look good and uh, there's, there's a certain energy there, you you basically can't take him out. So I I don't think uh, even if McCaffrey does get to start, uh, I I don't think this is the end of the Adrian Martinez era at Nebraska by any means. Um, So 
I guess, yes on one front and, and probably no on the other. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. So when it comes to the, the passing game today for Nebraska, you know, what are you going to ask McCaffrey to do? And Vogue's uh, a little bit more uh, more reps for some, some guys that you saw that final drive. You think there's more of a youth movement? I don't know on the latter. I'll be, I'll be pretty interested to see. You know, that was kind of the tenor of conversations from the coaches this week of, of open competition week. Which, which sounds good and sounds great and sounds like the place you should be after, after the way that they lost to, to, to Northwestern and some of the guys that you saw in that game. But, you know, how many times over the past couple few years, you know, even dating back to, to, to previous coaching staffs, have you heard something similar and, and you just don't see those guys? And, it, you know, it, and it's, it's easy to, to kind of shuffle the lineup from, from afar to a certain degree, you have to, I guess, trust the coaches a little bit. Uh, They're doing these things for a reason. But, I mean, it's pretty hard, I think, uh, barring some extenuating circumstances, to keep Marcus Fleming off the field uh, based on what he was able to do against Northwestern. Um, Bets, you know, we only saw a little bit of him, but he probably earned a little bit more uh, this week. So I think you will see some changes, you know, in a one-score game last week, Nebraska made the decision to change quarterbacks, and Coach Frost said it was because they needed a spark. I think that's still probably the case for, for Nebraska. Everything just feels so dreary or hard. I don't know what the right word is for Nebraska. Like, if, if you could introduce some young guys and just look a little bit more fun, I think that's a really big missing ingredient for the Huskers. And, you know, you started out with a, the passing game. I think it's the, the key for Nebraska, almost certainly offensively, uh, in this game. They've, they've got to find a passing game that can threaten people. And, and that can be, like, if the run game's working, and I think Nebraska should be able to run the ball pretty well, uh, you can keep that passing game manageable. I know people want to see some more shots downfield, and the coaches do too, and you need those. But if the run game's working and, and the, the passing game – isn't just kind of a, a zero. Uh, and I mean, I'm not talking about Nebraska doesn't complete passes. They do, but they're just, they're not staying on schedule and being efficient when they throw the ball. That's got to change because then if you got, if you're efficient running and passing, you're going to move the football and some of those drives are going to end in points. unlike um, what we've seen so far. Brandon. And you know, you, you mentioned the receivers. Uh, let, let's get into just physically what you saw from those guys. Now, now, whether they figure out all the playbook and they block downfield and all that, like that's time will tell. But as actual receivers, wh- what did you see out of Betts? What did you see out of Fleming that maybe sets them apart from people that Nebraska's trotted out at that position in the last couple of years? Yeah, with with Betts, you know, and we didn't see a ton, but the, the two catches he made were were fairly by the book. But you know, he, he kind of went back to the ball, like he, he he attacked the ball, which is one of those things that you know, like. Coaches teach receivers all the time, so so that was encouraging. And I mean, certainly his his physical stature stands out among the guys that Nebraska's playing regularly at that position. You know, with Fleming, I think it was just his ability to get open. Um, 
you know, he, he made some good catches. And that's the the thing with this offense is you get a guy with, with Fleming who's, who's got pretty good speed and it, it, it only adds to that, but they've always been able to scheme wide receivers open. And I think that's part of the reason uh, we've got a real quarterback question on our hands at this point. You know, I don't look at Luke McCaffrey and say, well, there's a, you know, a finished passer. He can, he can make all the throws and do everything you want through the air. Um, I don't think he's to that point yet. He might not even be close to that point yet, but if you can, if this offense can get people open and you can just make the right choice, uh, make it a little bit like a video game, you know, you got X, Y, and Z receivers uh, just press the button to the, the guy that's open. Nebraska usually has one of those guys open. So I think that almost shades you towards, well, it wasn't happening previously, at least not to the degree Nebraska needed it to. So put somebody else in there and, and see if they're a little bit more accomplished button masher. Brendan Vogel's with us uh, with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogel, let's get into the red zone. and No, let's not, please. Well, no. <laughs> Vogel's will have an answer, all right? Okay, it's like good, Indiana good. Jones's dad's diary. It's got an answer Coach in there. Ross, okay? are you listening? So okay. the, the red zone shrinks everything clearly, and uh, when it comes to scheming open, there's not a ton of room to get open, and you couldn't just line up and smash mouth it against Northwestern, right? So Penn State may not be Northwestern defensively, but are there a couple of things you go back to maybe that you did against Ohio State? Because Nebraska was better in the red zone uh, against you know the number two team in the country. Uh, they weren't against Northwestern, and now you got Penn State right now that's shielding their eyes from – from, from, from football, you know, what are, what are a couple of plays or, I guess, offensive concepts you think Nebraska could go to? So there is, all right, you're inside the, the, the 20, it's money time, and you can keep some momentum because you've done the work. You've, you've driven the field. You've put a lot of yards up. You've converted some third downs. You've got a quarterback making a play. Where do you go? What's, your, uh, what's the well? look like uh, when it comes to this offense in the red zone? Well, I think part of the problem is, is it doesn't feel, the well doesn't feel all that deep at the moment. Um, you know, I went back and looked at it this week, like the frost, the frost era as a whole, and they've run the ball well in the, mm-hmm. in the red zone. Um, now, against Northwestern, they weren't able to, and in some really short yardage situations, you know, inside the five, Right, and at that point, and I mean, I think that, I think this is the issue they're running into overall. Um, certainly, since 2018 on, is Big Ten's a run defense league. You get down there, you don't have to worry about this offense scheming people open because there's just not really enough room to do that. So you load up against the run, and that's what Northwestern did. And you trust, you know, you look at the wide receivers Nebraska's putting out there, and just kind of go whoever it may be. Just go player by player and say, "Do you can you count on that person to beat the majority of Big Ten quarterbacks one on one?" Because that's what it is in the red zone. You just need to to win and get open and make a decision quickly. Since since 2018, uh, Nebraska's averaging two yards a pass in the red zone. Like that's that's not going to cut it with a 41 percent completion percentage, mm-hmm. and and most of that was done. In twenty in year one, twenty nineteen was was bad. And so far, twenty twenty has been worse. Nebraska's one for nine passing in the red zone. So I think they're still looking for those those pet plays. 
And the, and the issue is not the runs. Like, okay, you just kind of tip your hat to Northwestern for for stopping those last week. You got to you got to find some passes. I mean, how many teams? I mean, we see every team in college football uh, using H back or what? How you know whatever personnel works for them. But it's kind of like the Wisconsin play. You just you know play action, do a little rollout, and how many times do you see? It? the guy that, that comes from out of the backfield just kind of waltz into the end zone. You know, Nebraska runs that play elsewhere on the field. We just haven't seen kind of enough efficiency and consistency, and it feels a little bit like an identity crisis. When they get down there, I think it really underscores, like, they're still trying to find their, where, like, these are our eight plays, and we can run them against anyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of that is because the defense is just able to gear up because Nebraska's wide receivers so far – haven't proven that they scare a defense enough to to cost them anything. Spider two Y banana, Vogues. Spider two Y banana. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity. You know, it's it's kind of a clo- coaching cliche to be like, well, we're a young team. Um, but at the same time, look, small sample size. I I can't think of another Nebraska team where it, there are this amount of young guys that show promise and are making an impact on, on the team. Do you see it that same way? Like when you look offensively, defensively, and you look at some of the splash plays and you look at some of the guy, yeah, even some of the, just the fundamental plays, can you think of another squad, Nebraska squad that's had this many freshmen or sophomores that are really making hay right now? No, I can't off the top of my head. You know, it's a little bit, it, it, it maybe says something about this, uh, I guess, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, new era under a new coach. Like, you tend to see those in year one. And we didn't really see it with Ross. We didn't see it with Riley. Even going all the way back to Pelini, like, you know, that wasn't a rip the Band-Aid off type of team, um, at least not that I recall. So there aren't a, a ton of examples of that. You know, it's it's weird. We were talking about this kind of with just the rest of the Hale Varsity staff this week about, you know, is this a youth movement week? And you're like, well, yeah, you could pick out guys like Fleming and Betts and Farmer that probably need to see some more. Heinrich uh, probably need to see some more time. But there's just – you'd be sitting down some pretty experienced guys at, at some of those spots, certainly in the secondary – uh, but maybe it's maybe it's time because you do see and, and the sample sizes are small, like you noted. You do see uh, these guys kind of make splash plays. So I think that's that's encouraging. And just with where Nebraska's at right now, it's it's encouraging in general if you're a Husker fan to kind of step back and really realize, oh, this this roster is still still really young. I mean, all rosters kind of have most of their scholarships in the freshman sophomore range, but not to the degree that Nebraska does at the moment. So. That, that could be a good sign for the future. Vogues, before we get you out of here, your thoughts on Bryce McGowan's. Ah, you did it. Good yeah, job. We, yeah, because we, yeah, we spent a lot of time yesterday. Some yeah. really good analysis by Jacob Padilla. Vogues, uh, you've been a Husker Hoops guy for a lot of years. Uh, in fact, you may have uh, this Willie J hat, and we keep referencing it because he wears it all the time, but it's the old Big 8 hat. It's a green bill. It's got the green little square that says big and then the, the 8 in in white, and it's a white hat with a little green, and then it's got it's like a clock, but it's got all the Big 8 teams around 
this uh, this big big eight insignia. Well, we we've fast forwarded clearly uh, out of the big eight to, to now the Big Ten. But a dude like McGowan's watching some of his highlights last night. Man, pretty impressive. What do you think? Yeah, certainly certainly impressive. Kind of the the long score who can who can you know do it at all three levels uh, at least in high school that and Nebraska hasn't had a ton of those guys they've had some really really good players some really skilled players um, McGowan's is skilled but he also kind of has the body type that well it lends just lends itself to to being a, a five star prospect if you're you're willing to put in the the skill work and, and he certainly has I mean. You know, it's probably no more simple than this. Like Fred Hoiberg, in a prepared statement, this wasn't like a gut reaction to a question at a press conference, leads off with, I believe this signing changes the whole trajectory of the program. Now, you could say, all right, well, maybe even that's a little bit hyperbole. It's a little bit strange to to put a lot uh, on the guy. But I look at that and say, yeah, that's I think that's Hoiberg speaking speaking pretty freely. So that tells you, you know, just kind of where this ranks in terms of – well, all the basketball players in Nebraska has signed. Now he's got to come and come and do it, and then it's it's got to work out, and all of that stuff still. But at this early stage, yeah, it's tough to think of much that that compares to this. Brandon Vogel, Vogues, uh, can't wait to get your reaction to today's game, and uh, we'll see if Nebraska gets in the win column. Thanks for jumping on today. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, Appreciate there it, he Brandon. is, Brandon Vogel, with he- us. He, you know, he said it about McGowan's, and we got to talk to Gary about that mm-hmm. too next. Gary, of course, the voice of Nebraska, Omaha, Mavericks, and mm-hmm. used to be with Florida Gulf Coast. He's been around college hoops a long time. Uh, look, when, when I watched McGowan's film, I just didn't see – I wouldn't say there was any one thing that completely blew me away, like completely blew me away. Dude's hitting um, 40% and above from three land in high school. I think that's pretty sweet. Most kids take 40 r- shots to hit three threes. Completely. But <laughs> the thing that stood out to me the most about him is he is he was described as versatile mm-hmm. by by um, by Co- Coach Hoiberg, but I, I see him more as just complete. Uh, uh, this, this guy, he's 6'6". Six, six, He's got great body control. He's got some nasty like Euro step. He's he's at like and Brandon just mentioned his skill level. Like he has an array of moves. He doesn't have just like one go to. He goes left as well as he goes right. His ball control is fantastic. He can pull up from 25 feet. He can get to the rim. I mean, he is a Nebraska has not had a player like that. There's no question. Does he step onto campus day one and light the league on fire? Who knows? I mean, the Big Ten's not an easy place to deal with. Yeah. Um, but, wow. And I have I have no problems with his five-star ranking. I'm like, yeah, that's about as good as it gets when you're, you know, a 6'6", and your body type is such that you could pretty much play every position but center. And your skill level is like that, too. I mean, he is a... That is a really, really good get for Nebraska. Huge, huge get, and uh, the mayor's got it rolling. We'll see how that translates. Uh, we check in with the Iron Horse up next. Gary Sharp with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. 
Working through game day. Saturday, it's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. The Iron Horse is in studio. Willie J is getting uh, Gary Sharp set up. We welcome in studio. When Nebraska hasn't played a home game in 50 Whoa. weeks, I got to come in Hold studio. On. Hold on. You sound so clear right now. This is throwing <laughs> yeah. me off my game. I'm just so used to Saturday mornings, the cell phone kind of, you know, stuff going on. But wow. Cranek, that, so, that malware on your home computer is a son of a bee. Just keep talking, Gary. You sound so clear. Hello, You sound Mark. really good on a mic. You should do a radio show. Uh-huh, uh-huh. One of these days I will when I grow up. Yeah. Okay. A lot yeah. to get into. Sharpie, what's, uh, we'll start with uh, football. We'll get to hoops. We'll get to some baseball. But uh, let's, uh, let's get your read on the week. How... How kind of dicey, felt like it's, how uh, dicey it's kind is like it for a, both teams? Well, it sorry. kind of felt like it was a week around here that we've been through before. Yeah. Now we just have a quarterback quandary that has been thrown into it. I, I said this early in the week on my show. I think this is Penn State versus Penn State, Nebraska versus Nebraska today. Uh, we don't know what we're getting in Penn State. I mean, they're 0-3. James Franklin's kind of been retrospective all week. Uh, they've been pretty emotional after Journey Brown retired from football you know, their effort against Maryland was startling. They were very lackluster. Uh, they're 0-3. You get on a plane and you go halfway across the country to a place which you don't normally play. How do you respond today? That's why I think Nebraska, if they get off to a good start, Nebraska could have this game in their favor. But we don't know what Nebraska team will show up. We think we know what Nebraska's mindset will be. We think we know who the starting quarterback is going to be. But are those same things that ailed Nebraska last Saturday, are they going to rear their ugly head again today? Um, because if they do, Penn State is still talented enough that they can take advantage of it. But I, I think there's a lot of similarities between these two programs where they are right now, and especially the quarterback position. You know, Sean Clifford was supposed to be one of the top three returning quarterbacks. Now he is running for his life, and they are throwing the ball a ton because their two top running backs are out and they can't run the football consistently. I mean, they threw the ball 57 times against Maryland, and he got sacked seven times. Uh, their offensive line is really a jumbled mess. But I think Clifford has maybe hit his ceiling. You could look at Nebraska and say the same thing. Adrian Martinez and all the things between the years that ail him right now, he may have hit his ceiling. So I think this is a fascinating game. It may be a battle of two teams that are combined 0-5 but have seven national championships between them that could be just perfectly ugly. Um, or it could be just a chaotic game that we are here for in 2020. <laughs> Might represent the year. Yeah, yeah. Gary Sharp is with us uh, in studio on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, you know, you watched a lot of him in high school, and God, we just saw him a little bit. But, you know, Xavier Betts, you know, he got in for, I don't know, maybe 20 snaps, something like that. But had a couple of catches, Gary, that I, I think you got to go back to like maybe an Anunwa, maybe a Kenny Bell. Mm-hmm. The, the way he snatches the ball out of the air is just flat out different. Um, are you at all surprised? by how quickly he's been able to contribute because it looks like he's kind of on the uptick, like up and to the right. He is going to kind of keep playing more and more. Is that, is that kind of how you see it? And does it surprise you that he's able to do that this quickly? Well, he's come a ways, even if you go back to his time at Bellevue West. Um, he had to get his head right and he had to get his game right. And he had to get his off-the-field stuff right. And he was able to accomplish all of those. I mean, he's an extreme talent. He's a wide receiver that we don't get very often in the state of Nebraska. Um I think the game is starting to slow down just a hair for him. But I think Nebraska's at a spot, guys, and we've talked about this with the young, one, young wide receivers, is you've got to throw them out there now 
because your first group of wide receivers aren't getting it done, and there's not a lot of respect from the first two really good defenses when it comes to the first collection of wide receivers. You need some guys that can stretch the field. you got to take some pressure off the quarterbacks, and he fits right into that mix. And he's somebody who we thought could be a, a big-time contributor. Yeah. I think he's just going to have to be a big-time contributor earlier. I think Betts, Fleming, and Brown are key guys moving forward. But first and foremost, with whoever's out there, they got to fix the wide receiver room. they got a lot of drama going on in that wide receiver room, and they've got to settle on the guys that can make it easier on the quarterback and help this offense. And once they do that, then I think you'll think, see things fall in line. But look for Betts to play a lot today, and look at, look at the connection with McCaffrey that he had, as you kind of alluded to, Mark, at the end of last week. Big time hey, hold connection. On. A lot of, sorry to cut you off, Chris, but hold on. you can't just allude to a lot of drama in the receiver room without <laughs> well, giving us a little bit more. So you have, I, I think you have a lot of different personalities that are in that wide receiver room, and you have a much different coach that's running it from Troy Walters to Matt Lubick. Um, you have some young guys that you know, they're, they're happy to be at Nebraska. They don't know what it takes to, to be out there every single day. You know, Marcus Fleming... I mean, he's in Columbus, Ohio, and 30 minutes before kickoff, he's on IG Live. Okay, you can't have that because Nebraska needs him, and we saw him against Northwestern. He can make plays. Um, I think they've got to decide on who's going to get touches out of that wide receiver room and let everybody else fall in line. But they've got a ton of different personalities in there that 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 room has to settle down for Nebraska to take the next step. I want to get into a little bit more of the wide receiver room and when we look at what's been constant in 2020, that's been inconsistency with spring ball, with travel, with are you at home in Florida, are you in Lincoln with your teammates? What is preventing more more opportunity for these young guys? Is it because there's been no spring ball and spring ball is now counting for real because it's it's a, it's a condensed it's season and the other part too is is it these guys not knowing the playbook for is it on them or is it the situation they've been put well in? i think it's uh you know you have a lot of different things yeah. i think there's been um you know some guys have battled the virus uh some guys have been injured um some guys have been swimming in their head when it comes to the playbook mm-hmm. or what is required of them on a daily basis to play football at nebraska that you just can't show up and they put you out there that you've got to meet some some standards before they trust you now you're kind of in that weird spot of, all right, I still don't think you know the entire playbook, but man, we need better out of that position, yeah. and you're good enough to provide it. So you see where the the difference is in trying to decide who gets those opportunities. I also think there's, you know, Omar Manning, and I don't expect him to play much today, guys. Uh, he only played five snaps against Northwestern. Omar Manning has not lived up to what we thought he would be. But Omar Manning, that's on him. He's got to find a way, if he wants to play football at Nebraska, to do the right thing, get on the football field, gain the trust, and show what he can do, what we saw when he was in junior college. But again, I don't expect a lot out of him today, and I don't know you know, where he's at for the rest of 2020. But he's got to get right, because if he gets right, that's another added weapon. But if not, Nebraska's poised to move on, because they've got enough wide receivers right now that they can use. You know, we were talking about the youth movement overall, and, you know, it can sound cliche, but Gary, I think you can count. I think you have to use more than two hands to count the number of, I don't know, splash plays is the right word, but just guys that that you notice 
offensively and defensively for Nebraska. I mean, it's it's in the double digits now, and they're freshmen and sophomores. Out of all those guys, offense, defense, just take freshmen and sophomores, people that maybe didn't play hardly at all last year. Who is most impressive to you? Well, you're right about the youth, and people say, well, now Nebraska's having a youth experiment. And they, you know, kind of forced to because Nebraska, both of these teams actually today are, are some of the younger teams in the Big Ten. And Nebraska has, you know, it started against Ohio State. It was even more against Northwestern. Young guys are playing. Some places you have to play young guys. Others, the young guys are showing up and they're showing out. I think on defense, it starts with Luke Reimer. You know, everybody is going, wow, look at Luke Reimer. That just shows you how void we have been of really good linebacker play for a while. Luke Reimer is a really good football player. Throw out the measurables. He knows how to play football. Technique, he's really sound now. He's he's still young, so he's going to make some mistakes, but he's still very talented. I think you look at Ty Robinson. Mm. Ty Robinson is kind of what we thought he would be, and he's making strides. Casey Rogers, I think you'll see more of Jordan Riley today. We know what pain can give you. Um, some of these guys are going to make young mistakes, but I think some of the younger guys are coming along. And, of course, Miles Farmer. I mean, what does Miles Farmer's contribution look like today? How many snaps does he play early in the game how 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 soon is he on the field against a Penn State offense that's going to throw the ball a lot and has a couple of nice wide receivers and a big old tight end that's an NFL uh, tight end that's the thing you know how much of of Farmer is in the mix because you want to talk about a tough situation where you got to go in for a guy that has been a a ball hawk for this Frost and Shenander defense in Deontay Williams and what happens? You, you have that first drive, you shake the cobwebs off, and then you go make two game-changing picks that set up the offense. I mean, that ROI is insane for it to happen that yeah. quick. He's just he's a, He could be one of those difference-maker guys that you used to see in yesteryear at Nebraska based on the impact and the turnover force. Now, I know, guys, we're all excited about young guys, and that's what we do as football fans. You always want to know about what the next thing is. For Nebraska to make a stride forward this year, let's be honest, the older guys also have to be good. And you just mentioned Deontay Williams. Deontay Williams got on the field to begin the second half, and some of the same things that rear its ugly head is poor tackling and what happens on Northwestern's opening drive. Some poor tackling, some angles, some bad decisions, and Northwestern puts the ball in the end zone. So we love the young guys, and they're going to come along. But I think for Nebraska – to move forward it's some of the younger guys the juniors and the seniors that have been in the program for a while that you know what they got to be better they got to they they got they got to be better some of them already are ben stilley is off to a great start this year um it's just the guys that we know about we need them to cash in but it's encouraging that there's some young guys that are contributing on both sides of the ball and you can at least see that there's a spark there and it's going to happen sooner than later you don't have to wait for a couple years gary sharps with us the iron horse go ahead mark Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, the, you, you think about um, the running back position and I, I, I'm still sold on Mills. I think he'll be fine. Um, hasn't had a great year yet, but I think it's coming. I'm not seeing anything from him that gives me concern. Um, I just think you got to kind of settle down offensively, period, in order for him to just start shining. But I'm a little confounded by, like, where's Ramir Johnson? Like, what what happened there? Um Marvin Scott, I look, should we see him more? Ronald Tompkins is whatever is off the field. Like, wh- what needs to happen behind Mills? How important is that for Nebraska's offense moving forward? Well, wasn't it encouraging to see Scott? He's awesome. I mean, we already know that he's a... little uh, snippet, but he was yeah, good. He's 35 years old, and he's got a family of three, and he's Mini got a portfolio. Yes. 
Um, I mean, him running the ball, he yards after contact, he was running over people. I think that's kind of a jumbled uh, behind uh, Mills because of injuries and, and, and getting yourself right to play football. Um, I, I imagine we'll see Tompkins back in the mix today. But Scott showed you enough that you can rely on him. I don't know about Ramir Johnson, Mark. I mean, that's, that's somebody who I thought coming into this year would be the backup. Um, his body is different. Uh, he just hasn't gotten many touches. But let's go back to Mills. Don't you guys think today for Nebraska to be successful, Mills and Robinson have to touch the ball at least 35 times combined? Yeah. You know, Mills, Mills, there's a couple of things here. Who would have thought that after two games, the longest run by a Nebraska running back would be 15 yards, but that was Mills against Northwestern. They handed the ball to Mills in that first half, and you could kind of see that he was starting to get lathered up and things were starting to open. Now, he made a couple of of poor decisions on lanes that he could have jumped into, or there were times that it was there and the blocking broke down, but he was starting to get it going. And then in the second half, running the ball, he was absent. Now, they did throw the ball to him six times, but I think if you get Mills going and Robinson early, 35 touches combined, I think that's a great sign for this Nebraska offense. I, Mills is going to be okay. I, I just think you'll see more of, a, more, more of a concerted effort to hand the ball off to the running back instead of a majority of the plays that have been called have been designed quarterback runs or that quarterback draw that I hope they shelve uh, for a little bit here. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse. Sharpie, a thought on Bryce McGowan's, uh, Nebraska's five-star, and a quick comment, too, bud, on, on Will Bolt's haul. Uh, let's start with Bryce McGowan's. That's a game-changer. I mean, first of all, for the image of the program that you got a five-star, uh, and it wasn't just a layup because his brother was here, that you had to show off and you know had to convince somebody who – doesn't know this part of the country, is a five-star, could go to Georgia where they could potentially have the number one overall pick in the NBA draft and Anthony Edwards this upcoming week, that people look at Nebraska now and, and, you know, this is a pretty good recruiting class. So that Fred has a plan and he's selling it and he has a great recruiting assistant in Matt Abdelmasi. Um, Now you just got to get McGowan's here and then him and his brother playing together with the talent you have. You know, right now we don't know a lot about Nebraska in a deep Big Ten, but at least for the trajectory and the image – that's a huge pickup. For Will Bolt, I mean, Will Bolt has got, what, 400 guys that he's signed? It seems like every day Nebraska baseball is adding somebody, and they're doing the Van Horn blueprint, is stay around this area, supplement it with some Texas, some Oklahoma, um, and you know, build your roster. I was just really surprised by Kendall Rogers yesterday saying that the Big Ten is looking at going conference only for baseball That's and brutal. that it's all bus. I don't know if people understand, but Nebraska is like the Hawaii of the Big Ten, and the closest is Iowa City. Um, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work, but, but there's a lot of momentum in recruiting. I mean, this was a great week recruiting. John Cook signed maybe, maybe the greatest class in the history of college sports. If you look at the amount of what he got, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'll go all hyperbole here, and then what Fred was able to do, and of course what Will uh, added yesterday as well. That's uh, well put with uh, perception changing. When you get a five-star to Lincoln, and uh, what, what can well, happen? Well, and the Nebraska basketball fan, we've all been there. It's you're waiting for that next kick in the gut. Okay, you're waiting for, oh, or, be- or below. Yeah, you know, I mean, that would have been like yesterday. Bryce McGowan says George, and you're like, eh, that, 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 that <laughs> typical. But to get him, and people around the basketball circles know how talented he is. You were talking with Brandon uh, a little bit earlier. That's a huge pickup for Nebraska. Well, uh, now it's up to football. Getting the win column. Well, you know, they're going to get, I, I think Thomas Fedoni and Rivals will get a bump to a five-star. Okay. All right. Sharpie, hang tight. It's good to see you. 
Good to it's, see it's you. Wonderful. Good man. to talk to Mark. I know. Uh, we can... Mark, you look you look beautiful today. How wonderful is it, by the way? We're doing the show here. Grand Game X day is at the robe. Masters, and we've got football, and we ha- and and we have to appreciate football today because you look across the country, and the virus has not been kind to college football today. We are just a couple of hours from kickoff, and we're going to play in Lincoln. So let's uh, let's appreciate that. That's awesome. Quick timeout. We'll wind down a weekend edition. Cousin Dino is up with his prediction next to Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You know, bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Pre-game accordingly. Moderation can be overrated, but it's preached. Uh, we welcome in uh, Cousin Dino. He is in Section 36, Row 9 today, the Cousin Dino cutout. And we say hi to Dean Schmidt with his prediction. Dino, ring that bell, brother. How are you? Man, I'd sure like to really ring it today. Um, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. But your opening today kind of really tugged at me heartstrings. Um, love the cutouts. And uh, Joe Papa Steve um, looks pretty good in that hat, wouldn't you say? You know, uh, just ask him is what I what is is what I tell you when we talk about dad and <laughs> the cornhead. Uh, he, he never took a bad picture, Dino. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much, and if it was, we uh, we threw it away. But uh, <laughs> you know, it uh, reminded me of the many many memories um, I had and we had with him. And um, speaking of memories, where were and history? Where were you in September 1982? I'm sure I was at one of the grandparents' homes while uh, you guys were pre gaming and then going to a game. <laughs> well. September 1982, I was in Philadelphia uh, doing some contract work with IBM, got hooked up with a number of Penn State alumni, and we made a bus trip out to um, Happy Valley. You did, so you were you at the game in 82? I was at that game where uh, Turner Gill brought us back from a 21-7 to deficit to a 24-21 lead with about two minutes left, and of course... As we go back in history, that was a frustrating ending due to the fact that they threw that uh, touchdown pass in the oblong section of the uh, end zone. So, the, things in but, Happy Valley—you've got an extended sideline and an extended end zone. Yep, for sure, for sure. So they ended up winning twenty-seven, twenty-four. But it speaks to the frustration, I think, of what we've all been through the last two or three years. You know, Ohio State—that first year under Frost. Being ahead and getting and, and losing the game last year at Northwestern and just all the frustration of close games and being on the losing end. So, only have to go one year more to uh, August of '83 uh, um, when we Nebraska was I think ranked number one or Penn State came off of the national championship and we beat them 44 to seven or 44 to six it was in the in the first playoff classic. Yep, kickoff classic, uh, Rogier and Fryer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's so, there's so much history, Dino, with Penn State, Nebraska. I got to get the uh, the prediction and what happens today. And good luck and God bless with your crystal ball with either of these teams today. <laughs> well, I kicked crystal ball 
down the road last week. But uh, <laughs> I, I've got 28-24 hanging around, and I'm going to go with me Huskers today. There we go. 28-24, and double down on the 50-50 from last week. Uh, we score first, and we score last today, and uh, let's go beat us some, uh, some Nittany Lions. The old McCaffrey era. 28-24, Dino says Nebraska over Penn State. Dino, we love you. I am FaceTiming you in about uh, 45 minutes uh, from your cutout, all right? Sounds good. I'll right. see you then. Love you, Dino. There he is, Bye. Dean Schmidt. Back at you Monday on Hale Varsity. Cranach, you be good.